0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We're opening together on the topic of angels this evening. We've been looking at the ministry of angels because understanding what the Bible says about angels is both necessary and encouraging. Why is it necessary? Well, it's necessary, one, because there are fallen angels. They're called demons. and Satan is able to transform himself into an angel of light but we're not ignorant of His devices. How so? Well, we study in God's Word the revelation that God has given to us about angels. Some, even believers unfortunately, have made the dreadful mistake of seeking to worship angels. The book of Hebrews has an extensive portion dedicated to the fact that Christ is greater than the angels You say, really? Christians have sought to worship angels? Yes. John did that in the book of the Revelation. And the angelic messenger in heaven said, do it not. And he rose up from seeking to worship after angels. And it's encouraging. It's wonderfully encouraging to see the sovereignty of God in places that our eyes cannot see. It's wonderfully encouraging to see the promises worked out by angelic beings, ministering. Are they not all? Hebrews 1.14 says, Ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto them who shall be heirs of eternal life. Imagine that the angels have been given to minister to you and to me. But they have. The psalmist makes that clear in Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee to keep thee in all thy ways, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And so we've looked over their ministry to God, their ministry to God, and we noted that there are a number of different ways we can reflect on their ministry to God. Deuteronomy 29, after all, reminds us in verse 29 that the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things that are revealed belong unto us and unto our children. And so we've seen them as ministers of worship and ministers of service for the Lord, We've seen them interacting in government. The word angel means messenger. They interact with God's people. We've seen them in God's Word interacting in times of judgment, whether it be in the plagues that befell the Egyptians when the death angel came through and the firstborn died in the night or when the angel was dispatched from heaven and 185,000 Assyrians died outside of the gates of Jerusalem in one night as Hezekiah spread out his desire before the Lord, the angels are seen ministering not only to God, but ministering to Christ. I'm going to have you open your Bibles with me this evening to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. The angels are involved in the ministry to Christ. We note that at his birth, the angels are involved. Both in prophecy and in proclamation. In prophecy, first to Zacharias and Elizabeth, as the son, the messenger son would be born, and then in prophecy, both to Mary and to Joseph, fear not Joseph, to take unto thee this woman to be thy wife, that which is born of hers of the Holy Ghost. And then in proclamation to the angels, as they break loose with song over the hills. Bethlehem. During his life, the angels are frequently involved in ministry. It is resurrection. They announce the resurrection to the women who first show up at the grave, and they open the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but to let the spectators in or the witnesses in. At His second coming, they're going to be involved. The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, that when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, Then will He sit upon the throne of His glory. This evening, we're going to be looking at the ministry of angels in time, and then the ministry of angels to believers. But before we do that, I'm going to read from the covenant of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Here's the first paragraph of the covenant of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. It says something very interesting in light of our study, and we're going to be asking the question, why would they put this in here? Listen to this. It says, having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So as a Baptist church, there are two prerequisites for membership. Prerequisite number one, profession of faith. Prerequisite number two, baptism. I always tell folks in the baptism class that the name Baptist was given to us by those Who didn't much like us? It was a pejorative to be called an Anabaptist. I love the German name for the Baptist church. They call them Dunkards over there. Isn't that a great name? Because, you know, we're unusual in that we baptize only believers and we baptize by complete immersion, and you only have to go three chapters in the New Testament to see we're right. Okay? So this passage says having been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we do now in the presence of God angels and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We make a covenant recognizing the presence of the angels. Now, I've got to be honest. Before this study, from time to time I think about the angels. During this study, I thought about it every week. But I don't know if I was writing a church covenant if I would have thought about it to put it in there. So let's see why that's important this evening as we consider the ministry of the angels. I had you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to have you put a mark there because I got ahead of myself a little bit. What else is new? 1 Timothy chapter 3, you hold a mark there, and come back with me to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. Job, the 38th chapter. And let's see the ministry of angels at creation. Job 38. In Job 38, we read beginning in verse 4. Job 38, verse 4. God is arguing with Job and answering Job out of the whirlwind, literally putting Job in his place and helping Job have a healthy dose of humility in the presence of a holy God. Verse 4, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? (laughs) Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who laid the cornerstone thereof, Job? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That little phrase, sons of God, is an interesting phrase in Job 38, and verse 7. That phrase sons of god is used back in Job chapter 1 and verse 6. In Job 1 and verse 6 there was a day in which the sons of god came to appear before god and lucifer satan was among them. Who are these sons of god? Well in Genesis chapter 9 we read about them. In Genesis chapter 9 that same phrase is used that the sons of god were at that time dwelling with the daughters of men. Who are these sons of God? Well, they're the angels. And So in Job 38, we read in verse 7, the morning stars sang together. I remember hearing Frank Garlock years ago cite that verse, that the morning stars have a tonal quality. Kevin's probably heard this. And that scientists have actually been able to measure the tonal qualities of the stars. And when God put the stars all around us, they are literally singing. Now, we can't hear it, much like a dog whistle, unless something's really wrong with you. You can't hear certain frequencies. Even so, there are frequencies that are singing. The morning stars sing together. When we ask the question, what will heaven be like? It will be like a dimension we can't even imagine. Sights. That we can't today see, and sounds that we cannot today experience. But they're spoken of here. And the angels were witnesses to all of it, which tells us, of course, that the angels were in existence when the world was made, prior to the world coming into existence. The angels had already been created by God. They witnessed the creation. So what else have they witnessed? Now, if we take our Bibles and go back to First Timothy chapter three and verse 16, we read about something of the witnesses of the angels. This evening in conversation as I came in, somebody said, Pastor Phelps, it's kind of interesting. You know, you go back through the Old Testament, from time to time you see angelic beings. But it seems like their visits are separated by centuries. And then you come to the gospel record, especially as Jesus uh, comes to be born, and suddenly you have the angels appearing to Zacharias and Elizabeth. The angel appearing to Joseph, to Mary, to the angels, again to Joseph, telling Joseph to take Jesus down into um, Egypt, again to Joseph, take him back up to Nazareth. It's like we've got all this hyperactivity about the angels and the question then, is it because Jesus being born as a babe is born totally dependent and they are giving some measure of protection for him? what do you think? I won't tell you who asked the question. I'm posing it this evening to everybody because I need to get an answer for this guy, and he's in the room, all right? So, what do you think? I, I do think that… The, Darlene, were you going to answer? Did Jesus need protection? He's God, but He's an infant. Josh? Yes, Yes. so Josh is saying the whole purpose of Satan since Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and Satan knew that the seed of the woman would destroy him, his purpose has been to get the lineage and the son of promise, true, he needed protection. And did the angels provide some of that? Yes, Mary? They ministered to him in Matthew chapter 4 in the desert, that's for sure. And don't forget that when Joseph was told to take Jesus down to Egypt, it was an angel that told him. And when Joseph was told to take him back up to Nazareth, it was an angel. Now, the angels are messengers. That's what their name means. But back to the question, were they involved in protecting the Lord? Yes. Had he stayed in the place of his birth in Bethlehem, you remember what happened to the babies in Bethlehem? So, were the angels involved? Absolutely, they were involved. But I think there's more than that involved in it. And why do I think that? Well, I opened my Bible to 1 Timothy 3. Look at verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. We need to pause there and say, amen. Without controversy, 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. Well, let's explain that mystery a little bit as we know it. God was manifest in the flesh, praise the Lord. He was justified in the Spirit, and we've already mentioned Matthew chapter 4, how Jesus in the wilderness was indeed without sin. He was what? Seen of angels, then what? Preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In the midst of this incarnate work of the Savior, this is His incarnate work, the work He did in His flesh. In the midst of that, the angels are witnesses. Why? So what's with the angels being witnesses? Tony? Yeah, in his humanity, they were blown away. Okay? They were blown away that the God who created them would take upon himself the form of a man. Now, we've got to remember, sometimes this is hard for us to remember, that while the angels are spirit beings, they can also at times, right?, take upon themselves forms that, we, that become visible, all that to say the angels are people too. Or better, more accurately, the angels are persons too, okay? They're persons. They have names, personalities, duties, tasks. They're created beings. They are persons. God's a person, He's spirit, but He's a person. He has emotion, intellect, will. Uh, persons. Angels are persons. So God creates the angels like he creates us. And ready for this? The more they know about God, the more they will what? The more they'll worship him and glorify him. So he lets them in on things. They are the witnesses of this great incarnate work of the Savior. So why all of the sudden this rapt attention and hyperkinetic activity of the angels in the times of the incarnation because the angels are witnesses and forever will be in glory. Now, we are experiential witnesses of God's grace in a very different way. We are experiential witnesses of His grace that He, by His grace and kindness, planned a way where He could redeem sinners so that throughout eternity we will stand as, as special witnesses Against the black drop of our sin we shine as diamonds in heaven for his glory. And it causes the angels, the book of Ephesians says, to stand in awe. But don't forget the angels are people, persons too. And so God lets them see so that they will be amazed and wonder and worship their God. So what have the angels witnessed? Probably a better question, what haven't they witnessed? Won't it be cool to be able to talk to angels in heaven and say, hey, some in the scientific field in here. You know, the, the, the Bible in Job says something about the foundations on the cornerstone of the earth and the creation. Uh, some of the physicists in the, in the crowd here today, I can just see you asking the question of the angels and the angels say, well, I was there. I could tell you exactly how it went together. Uh, there'll be all kinds of fascinating questions we'll talk to angels about, but not only in creation, at Sinai. What happened at Sinai? Well, the law, and I'm saying this very purposely this evening, the law came through the angels into the hands of Moses and then to the people of God. Okay, let's trace that statement. Let's look at the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We get an image in our mind, and sometimes it <laughs> has to be erased. I remember the first time we went to Israel, and my wife saw the place. The steep place where the swine ran down into the sea. She was so disappointed. Because up to that point in her life, she had, what's the name of the lady? Lukens? Betty Lukens. Flannel graph stories in mind, right? Somebody who's taught those. And you know how you got this cliff and the swine are just jumping over the cliff and all the kids in the class are like, wow. Didn't happen that way. What? No, there's a steep place They ran down the steep place. They weren't jumping off. There were no pork sandwiches jumping off the cliff, all right? (laughs) it's not how it looked. In our minds sometimes, I think we get the idea that when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God reached down and chiseled with his finger the Ten Commandments on the stone, or God somehow spoke, you know, like those cartoon images with the little message that's coming out over top, because now God... Moses couldn't see God, right? Remember how God passed by and he only saw his hindquarters and was blinded by his glory? Well, how did God communicate to Moses when Moses was on Mount Sinai? Well, in Galatians chapter three, we often read right by it, but in Galatians three, look at verse 19. Well, let's look at verse 18. For the inheritance be of the law, it's no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise, this inheritance that we enjoy spiritually. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of the transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. The law was ordained by angels? Okay, let's go back to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And you remember in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is preaching. And look what Stephen says in Acts chapter 7 with regard to the coming of the revelation of God on Mount Sinai. Acts chapter 7, verse 52. So which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they've slain them, what showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. Wow. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. How did the law come to Moses? Galatians says angels were involved, Acts says angels were involved. How does the New Testament get that, that idea? Come back to the Old Testament. The book of Psalms, the 68th chapter, Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verse 16, the psalmist is talking about the glories of Jerusalem. Psalm of David, David's home, Jerusalem, the 16th verse. Why leap ye ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. He's talking about Jerusalem. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Okay, question class. Let's be specific. How did the law come? Did God speak to Moses? Yes, but he did it through angels. The angels were there confirming the reception of the law By the revelation of God, very clearly that is stated to us. So what's the big deal with that? That's a big deal. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Let's see how big a deal that is. Hebrews chapter 1. Now, the author of the book of Hebrews, (laughs) big surprise here, he's writing to the Hebrews. So he's writing to the Jewish people. And as he writes to the Jewish people to move them beyond their Old Testament customs... We read in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, about angels. To which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He's showing how high Jesus is above the angelic beings. He never said that to any angel. He never said to an angel, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And now he puts the angels in their place, if you will, when he says, are they not all ministering spirits? these angels, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now let's watch how chapter 2 begins. Knowing this, that these angels are under the Savior and they're sent forth to minister to those who will be heirs of salvation. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a recompenser reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witnesses, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his whole own will. Now, we got to break that down. So let's start with this question. When we read Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, who might the we be? Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. He continues in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect? Who's we? Okay. Okay. This is a comparative passage. Back in verses 13 and 14, the ministering spirits are introduced. What do we know about these ministering spirits in the Old Testament times? We just learned it. What did they do? They brought the law at Mount Sinai, right? So as we read this passage, who might the we be? Come back over to Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Well, let's start verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. He has spoken unto us by its believers. Who might the we be? We be the we. Okay? If you're a believer, you're part of the we. Really important, because now listen to what Hebrews is saying. We read by, right by it, and it ought, to, it ought to cause our knees to buckle a little bit, what, what we're learning here. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Okay, what did the Old Testament people hear? They heard the law at Mount Sinai, revealed by the angels. This is a context with regard to angels, ministering spirit sent forth the minister unto those who well be believers. All right, knowing that the angels at Mount Sinai brought the law, who gave us the revelation that we enjoy? Hebrews 1 and verse 2, read it. Who gave us the revelation that we enjoy? The Son. Greater than the angels. So the revelation, listen, the revelation that you and I enjoy this evening has been given to us directly by the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the great revelator of God. He came to be the exegete, the Gospel of John tells us, of God. Now, the Old Testament, they didn't come near Mount Sinai. It was a flame of fire, right? And they understood that this was the revelation of God. Those commandments were not something that were going to be abridged. And there was reverence given. So he says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And he uses an imagery there with the word slip. It's, it's like a rope letting go from the pier. Now watch this. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, what's he talking about? What's the word spoken of by angels that's steadfast? By now you've got to know this. It's the law. So now if that word that was spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. What's that mean? Don't you love these big words? A just recompense of reward. That's how we start out in our family when our two and three-year-olds go off the rails. Hey, buddy, I'm just telling you, keep that up and you're going to get a just recompense of reward. you looking at me? Got it? Okay. So you got the idea of what's a just recompense of a reward? yeah Tony? what's that? yeah, yeah, it's just dis- got it, Tony. I appreciate it. You said it better than just recompensive reward. It's punishment, right? Well, not hallelujah on that one, but we've got to get Tony timed better on some of these facts here tonight, so okay, so. Those who were disobedient, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and it is, and every transgression and every disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Now keep reading. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? How shall we escape? Now, what happened when you disobeyed the law that was given at Mount Sinai? Children were disobeying, disobeying their parents, dishonoring their parents. Oh, thank you, Tony. You're right on that one. They kill them. Okay. Commit adultery, Tony? You kill them. Okay. Uh, commit homosexuality, Tony? You kill them. Okay, you get the idea. We shouldn't um, belittle, but we want to get the idea. The idea here is this. All right, in the Old Testament... You you received a just recompense of reward. Sin had a consequence. Now we're living in the age of grace, right? We're New Testament believers, right? How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation which at the first was spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witnesses with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. You know what he's saying? You better take heed to God's word. As a New Testament believer, the revelation that you've been given was not a revelation given through angels at Mount Sinai. The revelation you've been given is the revelation that was spoken to us in these last days by his son. It's greater And to whom much is given, much shall be required. Don't let it slip. Well, Pastor, I'm in the age of grace. It doesn't matter, right? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? As we come near to God's word, we come near with reverence and we say, Lord, help me to do your word. Why? Because Jesus said, if you love me, You'll keep my commandments and they're not grievous. Now, there's something interesting, and I'll close with this this evening. There's something interesting in the end of verse 3 that we don't want to run by. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which is first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us? Okay, let's look at that little phrase, was confirmed unto us. Is that present? Is that future? Or is that Past. How many vote passed? Yeah, good. English class did really well. Okay? How will we escape if we neglect that great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us? By them that heard, how was it confirmed? God bore them witness with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. They saw signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost when? Future, present, or past? Past. Oh, the author of the book of Hebrews is not a continuationist. He's a cessationist. That's a big word. What do you mean? He just said the miracles and the sign gifts were past. He's still writing the New Testament, exactly. But by the time he writes the book of Hebrews, which is not the first letter in the New Testament, by the time he writes the book of Hebrews, the sign gifts are done. How do you know? That's what he just said. This word that was spoken has been confirmed. How was it confirmed? By signs and wonders and divers, miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Sign gifts confirm the revelation of God. And once the revelation of God has been confirmed, they've ceased. That's exactly what First Corinthians says. It says prophecies and tongues will cease. And it's exactly what the author of the book of Hebrews says happened. Well, that's enough for the night, but let's go back and wrap it up. When we wrap it up, we ask the question, why did they put in our church covenant that it's been witnessed by the angels? Because the angels have witnessed an awful lot. And the more important the words, the more important the angels are, because one day we can talk to them about how we lived out that word they've already heard. Father, dismiss us with your blessing. Thank you for the privilege of entering into your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.